0: Honestly, those are perfect songs for tonight. You're going to see why in a moment. But Christ being our foundation, the God of Moses, the God of Mary, doing now what he did then, um, those, are both, those are all themes connected to this evening. Uh, and Austin and I didn't even talk about it. So um, praise God. All right, we are in the middle of a series called Love Over Likes, Choosing God's Affection Above Digital Temptation. How's the series going so far for you guys? Good. It's good. Uh, yeah, we have this phone briefcase up here. If you're new with us, you're wondering what that's all about. Uh, one of the things we're doing here is trying, is seeking to be a different kind of community uh, one that interacts with one another uh, in real time, not connected to our phones. And so earlier this summer, I put out a challenge. Hey, if you would consider putting your phone in the phone hotel during youth and just connecting with one another in God. Um, and so a lot of you guys have taken me up on that. And there's, there are free spots if you would like to write your name on it and put your phone in so that you can be di- distraction-free at youth. I want to invite you to do that. I said this at both weeks that we've talked about it, but one of the reasons we do that is because uh, we believe that we really can connect better with one another when our phones aren't constantly buzzing. We can connect with God when we're not worried about notifications and uh, one of the biggest complaints about summer camp is that you guys can't have your phones. But one of the, your guys' favorite things about summer camp is not having your phone. So we're trying to bring some of that into our space here, and we're going to see if it carries into the fall. Uh, but would love to have you do that. It's always out by the new student welcome booth. Uh, and I just want to talk a little bit about where we've been so far. The first week, we talked about uh, this. This is the verse kind of for the series Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the basis for this series really is that uh, that we are created to love God, to be in communion with God, and that tech kind of gets in the way of that. Uh, that and, and that actually tech, uh, takes it's trying to steal our affection, our devotion, our love, uh, and so that was week one. We talked about love the Lord, and we talked about how tech is an enemy of our love for the Lord. And uh, week two, so love the Lord. Week two was with all your heart. We talked about how the heart in Hebrew thought included the mind. And so we talked about how in our mind, all of our emotions, discernment, uh, those sorts of things are kind of housed in the mind and in the heart. And we talked about how tech is also battling for our heart and mind. And one of the primary ways it's doing that is through addiction. And not just addiction to uh, things like porn, but even addiction to things like puppy videos, right? Like we can just get so wrapped up and sucked in in our phones in a way, have drugified, as what we said last time, everything. It's made things easy to access. It's made, it, made things novel and new. We get tons of, tons of, uh, tons of it. There's quantity. And there's variety. And so we get hooked on these things. And so we've talked a lot about how the billion-dollar tech industry actually wants you to be attached to your screen. And so that's why, how the way they're competing for your love through not your virtues but your vices, things like, like lust and greed and wrath, how they appeal to all of those things. And then we get hooked. We get addicted. It, it gets stuck in our mind we're thinking about these things that we that we see on our phones, instead of uh, loving the Lord with our mind. So, uh, a lot of what we've talked about has been things that I would that I would encourage you guys to take off, right? To uh, omit from your life, and that really is a Christian thought. In Ephesians, it says to put off the old, and then does anyone know what it says after that? Put off the old, put on the new. So I've been asking you guys to put off the old, and tonight I really want to invite you into putting on the new. Tonight we're talking about loving the Lord with all of your soul, uh, and we're going, it's going to be less about the, uh, the dangers of tech and how I want you guys to throw tech off and more about what's on offer in a relationship with the Lord, right? Because to take something off, uh, to not do something, there's, going to, there's has to be a motivation, right? And we have no greater motivation than a relationship with the God of the universe. And so uh, there really is something to be gained as we take it off. And I will say, last thing I want you guys to think is that I am, that I am like fully believe that, that tech is like the worst thing, that it leads you down all the wrong paths, although I think it is like a harmful to our relationship with God at times. I don't think it's going to make or break your relationship with God. The reason we're having this series is because I think it can really make things worse with your relationship with God, and, and a lack of it can make it better, right? So I'm not saying phones are the root cause of evil in our life, but would you consider with me, like, is it making things better or worse? Kind of like a couple years ago, we did a whole series on music, and I said, hey, do I think that, like, non-Christian music about sex and drugs and like depression is going to cause you to do those things? No. Like, do I really think music is going to cause it? No. But what you listen to could make it worse. And what you listen to could make things better. And it's the same way with tech. It could be making it worse, which I think in many cases, not just in teens, but in, the, in our lives in general, it is and I think that there's some things we can do to define our relationship with our phones that will make it better. I'm also not saying we should even cut them out, as I've mentioned week after week. But I really do believe we should redefine the relationship. We should be the ones in charge of our tech, not tech being in control of us. And so um, that's what we're talking about tonight. Loving the Lord with your soul. When it says to love the Lord with your soul, what does it really mean? Soul, in Hebrew, is nef- is Nefesh. You can say that if you want. Try it out. Nefesh. It's a pretty fun phrase. It means throat, actually, in Hebrew. In the Old Testament, nefesh means throat. And so it talks about how the nefesh of Israel, the Israelite people as they wandered in the desert, was dry. It also talks about like Joseph being led into slavery by his nefesh, his throat. Um now why, do, why would throat and soul be connected? The reason for that in Hebrew thought and Old Testament thought was because your throat is, is where a lot of life-sustaining things happen, right? So it can describe uh, not just your throat, but it can describe the whole being. Like you breathe through, like breathing happens through here, uh, eating, drinking. And so when scripture says uh, soul, it actually means our whole, our entire being Including like every knit and fiber of our being. Like when we think of soul, sometimes we think of just physical, or sorry, just spiritual. When we think of soul, we think of like a wispy spirit thing that's within us. When scripture talks about soul, it just, it's saying your entire fiber, all that's all like in our entire being, right? You've heard people be like, man, I just desire this with every fiber of my being. That's the idea. Um, And we kind of use soul like this sometimes. In our language today, like if, if, um, like the when the Titanic crashed, like it said, like this many souls passed away. Does that make sense? It means the entire being. What does it lo- mean to love the Lord with every fiber of your being? That's what we're really getting at tonight. Uh, and we're going to be talking about how our our whole being really is made up with deep desires. Uh, and we're going to be talking about what it looks like to like. Those desires given to us by God, like we all have longings, desires, and we're going to be talking about our deepest desires that we carry uh, and what to do with those desires. So I want to start with this longing for something more. Longing for something more. The fact is your soul, your being, your very being, I believe, is longing for something more. Every single human soul is longing for something. Check this out. I'm going to talk first about the hungry soul. Psalm 107.5 says, Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Isaiah 55.1, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for which, that which does not satisfy? Right there, in, in, in this verse, it's describing individuals that are doing things, they're laboring for things that are not satisfying their, their being, their soul. Uh it's there's the longing soul that's the other one. I know the I know the title's longing for something more but there really is like the hungry soul. There's in our soul we're longing 107 Psalm 107 says that we have a longing in the soul. Uh Romans 8 talks about how our very being is groaning within. It's that feeling when you get up in the morning and you just kind of like feel like you get up, and it's just like a sigh, like, ugh, like I'm longing for something. I'm just like, it's, it's that feeling when someone says, good morning, and you think in your mind, is it really? I had that this morning. Julie said, good morning, and I was like, is it, though? Uh, it's when you go on vacation, right? There's this longing that I believe that in the heart of man is not satisfied uh, very easily. It's like when you go on vacation, and you think that this vacation is going to offer your soul the rest that you've always needed. And then you're there and you feel like a longing for something still. You feel like not satisfied. Uh, maybe you think there's this longing, this desire after a clothing item. I've had this in my life. I'm always think, I'm, I've always i thought before like, if I could just get this item, then I would be fresh. Then I would look cool. Then I, the, my longing would be satisfied. I've thought like, In my life, if I could just have that friendship or that relationship, then this longing that I feel in my heart would be satisfied. And the truth is, is that time after time in human history, like these things don't satisfy. And I believe that in the human heart, uh, there's a craving that cannot be satisfied or satiated by clothing or relationship or vacation or lack of homework. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And side note, right, there's this longing in all of us, uh, and some will say, well, the secret, the key to happiness then is just to deny longing. This is like a Buddhist thought. I I am happy because I am I'm content because I want not, right? I've got, and I, I, to me, uh, I believe that that in Buddhism, like, they're just trying to ignore this hole in their heart. Right? They have this longing, this desire for something, and they're like, you know what? If I'm just able to deny desire, then, I, then I'll be fine. But to be honest with you, one of the reasons I don't subscribe to that is because like, I, I don't want my soul to be content with nothing. I don't want to be content with nothing. There is a longing deep within our souls, and, and I believe that our souls can be satisfied. I want a soul satisfied, not to just ignore that longing in our hearts. Does that make sense? Proverbs 27.20 says something kind of crazy. It says, uh, Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. Evil, like this word Sheol and Abaddon, uh, describe evil and destruction. And it's saying in this verse, evil and destruction are never satisfied, nor are human eyes ever satisfied? Uh, When scripture describes eyes, actually in Old Testament, uh, it's describing desire. You think of Samson, okay, the guy guy with superhero strength, long hair. It says time after time, he saw something and he desired it and it was right in his own eyes. Uh, And so he goes after all of his desires, and in the end of Samson's stories, uh, he does what is right in his own eyes, but almost like poetically or ironically, his eyes are gouged out, right? He's desire—he's just going chasing after his desires, and they can never be satisfied, and he isn't walking with the Lord, and in the end, his eyes are gouged out until finally, like he does turn to the Lord. He does allow the Lord to satisfy his desires but when I was reading through Proverbs and I saw this verse, I just thought, like, man, when it comes to tech, like this verse rings true. The eyes are never satisfied. We're constantly scrolling. It's it's like we can never quite get enough. We can never we like we watch and we watch, uh, we scroll and we scroll. But when that Netflix series wraps up or that TikTok that fifteen second video is over, we're on the hunt. Right? We're on the hunt for the next laugh or the next interesting thing. Uh, and like, do what are we hunting for anyway? What are we longing for? Do we really think we're going to find it, or are we just distracting ourselves from this from this hole that's in our heart? Uh, scripture, as I've said, describes our soul as longing for something more. And my old pastor, Mike, he used to always say that it, there is a hole within every single human heart. There's a hole in it. And we will spend, many people spend their whole entire lives trying to fill that hole in their heart. Have you ever looked around at all of your outside circumstances and thought, like, I'm, I'm feeling a little down, actually. Life is good. I'm not actively doing really destructive things. I'm, I'm just kind of like sad. I'm down. Uh, scripture actually talks about this. It calls it the downcast soul. The downcast soul. Psalm 42 so here it is: the down downcast soul. Psalm forty two says this: Why are you down? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And it talks about in Psalm seventy seven, the psalmist says that their soul refuses to be comforted. To be to be really honest with you, this I, I kind of resonated with this: uh, the downcast soul over the last few weeks. It's not like usual in my life. I'm usually a half glass full kind of person. I usually am optimistic it's actually hard for me to be around negativity. I just love positivity um, but there was some times in college actually when I hit some real sort of depressive episodes I like um, I say that really like carefully because i I never got it like clinically checked out, but I know there were some dark times in colleges where I couldn't get where I couldn't get out of my funk and I was in a rut and um, like the last few weeks I've just felt sense that creeping back up and why like Uh, I'm happily married, like things are going good. I have this boy, this little son that I love, baby on the way, I'm working my dream job. Um, I just couldn't quite describe it, but my soul was downcast. And uh, it could be like part of it is like, I'm not really actively pursuing any major sins. So I, I don't think it's that. But part of it, I think, is that I've omitted some things that are really healthy for me, right? Like working out, it's not that I'm neglected reading the Word, but I haven't been as regular as usual. Uh, I feel like in some ways, maybe under spiritual attack, and maybe with camp coming up, and I preached on Sunday a while back, and God used it. I can't fully describe it, but I'll just say like my soul f- has felt a bit downcast. And actually, when I wrote this sermon, it was still feeling downcast. But, uh, and I feel like this is a side note I just have to add in, but I had a youth pastor text me today, and say, hey, I prayed that God would meet you powerfully and uh, do a work in you. And to, to be really honest with you, I think that God really answered his prayer. I think he did some inner healing for me today. I was feeling a bit down, and I just felt like I've been re-energized. I'm excited for camp. Um, and so praise God for that. I feel like the Lord's sustaining me. Uh, but I will just say, like, sometimes our souls get a little bit down, Uh And maybe you're in in one of those right now, like your soul is down. Uh, There's nothing really like wrong, but you just feel in a rut. Uh, The other thing is that there's some verses that don't specifically use the word soul, but they just describe a person who's disconnected from God as being in a wasteland or a desert, either like actually in a wasteland or a desert or figuratively in a wasteland or desert in a poetic sense. Check out, uh, next I want to talk about the parched soul. Psalm 107.4, some wandered in the desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. And it, and it talks about, continues in Psalm 107 to describe people as being in a desert, to being in a salty waste. Uh, Psalm 1 actually, I guess I didn't put it up. Psalm 1 actually describes people far from God feeling like chaff. Anyone deal with Chaff. I roast coffee, so I actually deal with chaff sometimes. I like have to throw it away. It's super wispy and like it's pretty much like nothing. Um, so if you're a coffee roaster or you're a farmer, it's like chaff. It comes off of grain. It's very like crumbly and like maybe, maybe you have a parched soul. Maybe it's like a desert wasteland. Maybe it's like a salty waste or it just feels like it's not the way it should be. Does your soul feel thirsty Usually in these cases, like when we're feeling dried, dried up, we retreat to tech, again, to numb us. But listen to what uh, Jeremiah says about false sources of help. Jeremiah describes a hurt soul. Sometimes we, we retreat to things that aren't good for us, like we're in a desert waste, or we have a parched soul or a downcast soul, and so we retreat to things that we think are going to fulfill us, right? Like I just need the soul to be energized, so we retreat to things. Jeremiah 30, 12 through 14, describes God's people who retreat to things that don't satisfy. And this is is how he describes this relationship with these false gods, these like small idols that we think are going to bring us meaning. This is how he describes it. For thus says the Lord, your hurt is incurable and your wound is grievous. There is none to uphold your cause, no medicine for your wound, no healing for you. All your lovers have forgotten you. They care nothing for you. If there's, if there's one thing I want you to see tonight, one thing I want you to understand is that if you feel hungry for something more or you feel sad and you can't explain it or your soul feels like a wasteland, uh, here's the thing. You're you're a human and, and you're... You were born in a, in a broken state. Your wound is so grievous. The hole in your heart is so massive. Tech can never satisfy you, no matter how smart it gets. Chat G- GPT cannot love you, no matter how real it may seem. Honestly, your online community can't love you like enough. No matter how many times you Google how to be happy, you will not find a cure or a medicine on your device the false, te- the false god of tech has forgotten you. Social media, despite all its hearts and thumbs up, cannot love you. And it doesn't even like you. But know this, there is hope for the hurting soul. Check out how scripture describes a thriving soul, right? We've been talking a lot about a hurt soul, but check out what scripture says about a thriving soul. This is, this is what could be, you guys. This is what could be. I'm going to talk for a moment about longing fulfilled. Scripture describes souls that are not hungry. Isaiah 55.1 describes the full soul. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Check out what Psalm 107.9 says about a soul satisfied. Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the longing soul, the hungry soul he fills with good things. That next part is just my notes that I accidentally typed in. <laughs> Scripture describes souls that are not hungry, but full. Check out what it says about the hopeful soul. Not the downcast soul, but the hopeful soul, right? You're feeling down. The opposite of feeling down is feeling some hope, Right? Psalm 42, 5 says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. These verses, by the way, are all connected. I, I know I drew it up kind of in two paradigms. These are all answers to the, to the first part. That comes straight out of Psalm 42 when I was talking about the downcast soul. Why downcast? And he, he's asking his soul, why is my soul downcast? He says, I will again hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation in my God. He says, even though my soul is downcast, I'll put my hope in God who is my salvation. Check out what it has to say about the flourishing soul. Psalm 1, which says that souls without God are like chaff, has this to say about souls that are connected to God. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does He prospers. It describes a soul, not like chaff, but like a tree with roots in the ground, healthy and alive and strong. Check out what it says um, in this next psalm. It says, He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste. Because of evil spirits of its inhabitants, He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. I talked about how sometimes we turn, in, in our desperation, we turn to things that we think are going to satisfy, but actually, like the last verse calls them, Like our lovers, our former lovers, like we turn away from God and we like cheat on him in a sense. And then it says like, they they don't love you. They they don't care about you, right? Um, But this is what happens when we turn back to God. He says like, right, he says, they don't love you, but this is what he says. I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is true for every person in this room. God loves you with an everlasting love. He sent his son to die for you so that you could, right? Like when we sinned, we ruined our relationship with God. When he sent his son to die for you, he made our relationship with God possible, right? Jesus died for our sins, doing what we could never do. And now we're able to be back in relationship with God, eternal life starting now, lasting forever, life to the fullest because God had an everlasting love for us. Because even when we were unfaithful, looking to fulfill the desires of our soul somewhere else, God remains faithful day after day. It says, "I I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O Virgin Israel." And I know that's like kind of awkward, maybe for us. But like Virgin Israel, how cool is that statement? When, for, when further up in, when further back in Jeremiah, it's talking about Israel acting like a harlot, someone that's cheated on God, and now an opportunity to be made new again. What a beautiful verse. Again, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines, and you shall go forth in the dance of merrymakers, and you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. Jeremiah thirty-one fourteen goes on to say, I will feast the soul of priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 31, 25, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. So here's the application, you guys. There is this flourishing soul on offer for you and an alternative way of living, right? We don't have to live these weary, worn out lives. These We don't have to have these holes in our heart, these gaps, of where where our desire is never met. We can have our desire met in Christ. Jesus himself describes himself as the water of the, the living water. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you're thirsty, Jesus will satisfy your thirst. Do you believe it? Like, if you believe it, we should be doing anything we can to get with the source, the source of life, the thing that will satisfy our souls. We should be forming an alternative kind of community. I kind of talked about this at the start when I was talking about phones, like an alternative kind of community, one that's not looking like for our approval, our satisfaction from anything except our relationship with God. That will build a flourishing youth ministry where we're not like, Gossiping or tearing each other down because we're confident in the Lord. It will build in a, a healthy youth ministry because we're not comparing and contrasting. Upperclassmen aren't cooler than underclassmen. Uh, like People are actually talking instead of being addicted to phones. And people will look in and say, that is what a flourishing life looks like. That is what it looks like to be planted by a stream, to be a strong tree, not to be like chaff blown this way and blown that way. Like those people look like the longing of their soul is satisfied and I'd like to be a part of that. Philip Yancey says this, all too often the church holds up a mirror reflecting back to society, the society around it, rather than a window revealing a different way. What if Cedar Mill youth became a window for the world to look out and see like what human flourishing looks like instead of just reflecting back all the same old stuff. Youth students that are like, like, absorbed in, the, in their phones, they're absorbed in themselves, they're, they're seeking approval here and, a, and satisfaction here. Like, what if instead of just reflecting all of that stuff, we became an alternative kind of community? Like, I know that this phone locker is weird, but what if, like, what if we really, like, leaned into this stuff and became a, a different kind of place, a family for those that were looking for a family? Psalm 42 uh, one through two says this. This is a really popular verse. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. A lot of times when I've read this verse, I've thought like, like that. I my that it's like almost like a command. Like my yes, Lord, my soul should thirst for you. Like Lord, I'm sorry that I don't thirst for you more. Like sometimes that's how I've read it. But this week when I was reading this, this isn't like thirst for God more. That's not what the verse says. It just This psalmist says, my soul thirsts like it does. It can't do anything else but thirst for the Lord. We were all made with this, this unquenchable thirst for the things of God. You were made for it. You have a hole in your heart that can only be filled by God. Your friends have a hole in their heart that can only be filled by God. Imagine how a community of people who are satisfied in Christ might be an example to the world of people, especially to the people that are addicted to tech. Like, this series is all about tech. Like, like people around us, they're moving at a rapid pace. They've got short attention spans. Like, studies show that our, human attention span is less than a goldfish. I think goldfish attention span is five seconds Recently, human, human attention span is less than that. We are, our society, moving at a rapid pace. People are like acting impulsive online, doing unwise things. They're lost in a sea of competing truths. People are looking for truth everywhere. And we have it. People are trapped in consumerism, like buying this and buying that. Isn't it so strange that like we as people spend millions on shiny things? like literal like diamonds and gold how do we ever get in a spot where we're like this fulfills me this like shiny stone it's really fulfilling right like but people do it's like it's like over the top consumerism they're isolated they're they're connected more connected than ever but they're isolated they feel alone they're connected online but they are in they're 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 in isolation and they're honestly searching and we have an opportunity as a community, to show them who the source of life is, where the living water is. And why wouldn't we? Like, as we draw, like, here's some ways we can draw closer to the source. If you're wondering, like, I wanna be connected to the source, I want my soul to be fulfilled. Uh, here's week after week, I've talked about a challenge, right? I gave you guys a 24 hour media fast, I asked you guys to put a, a stop sign on your phone. This week's challenge is not putting something off. It's not resisting something. It's actually, it's this. It's starting a spiritual discipline in your life or putting on a spiritual practice. Here's some examples of spiritual practices. Oh, weekly challenge. Just look, it's cool. You got to look at it for a second. Okay. Some examples of spiritual practices. Silence and solitude. A moment of intentional time in the quiet to be alone with God. Scripture continually committing to studying the word of God. Prayer, central to life with God, woven into the fabric of our routines. Fasting, a willing abstinence from food for a period of time. Simplicity, structuring your life in a way that it becomes more freeing. Living in community, partners for the journey to share life and the Lord's Supper. These are spiritual disciplines and practices. I'm just asking like, would you consider like putting one of these on a little more this week, getting a little bit closer to the source? Uh, and And in that, like, don't don't be mistaken. Don't think like these somehow earn you like right relationship with God. Jesus' blood earns you right relationship with God. If we make spiritual practices, like we can't make the the means the end, you understand, but these things will draw us nearer to God. And the reason we do these things is because Jesus did it. Jesus was 100% human, and these are the ways that he connected to the source. Anything that Jesus did, we can emulate, we can follow, because Jesus was the perfect human and had a right relationship with the Lord. All right, the next application is this, delight in God's law. Isaiah 55, 2b-3. It says this, listen diligent to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. I want to emphasize inclining your ear to God, hearing what God has to say, delighting in God's law. I know that that's not popular. Like who delights in law? Like law of the land. I'll sure love the speed limit, right? No one loves, this, loves 55 mile an hour speed limit. Come on, Oregon. But delighting in the Lord's law, why? Psalm one. Through three says this. This is that whole one about um, the, the tree planted by the stream. I want you guys to just get a full look at this. But look at what it says. On his law he meditates day and night. That's the one that's planted like a tree by a stream of life. The one that meditates on the law, delights in the law. I love this one, perhaps the most. It it says this: the law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold and even much fine gold, even super shiny stuff. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of, honey, of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned and keeping them, there is great reward. The law of the Lord is to be delighted in. Um, learn God's ways, let him lead you and you will experience a thriving soul, right? Sometimes it's like, why does God have all these things for us? God has all these things for us because like in my mind, it's kind of like the, the car manual that we never read, how to take care of a car. Like a lot of that is woven into scripture how to take care of our soul woven into scripture. God tells us to do things, not because he he wants to be the bad guy in our lives, not because he wants to be the cop, but because he loves us and cares for us and wants us to flourish. And so let God lead you in your sexuality. One day, let him lead you in your marriage, in your parenting, in your work ethic, in loving others, in forgiving others. Let God lead you into being in a healthy community and to serving and generosity and good stewardship of the things he's given you. Let the law of the Lord lead you away from gossip and judgment, from idols and addiction, and see what it does for you. Perhaps then you will learn to love the law of the Lord. Like, how cool is it that God has told us, like, in a world where truth is so confusing, like, how cool is it that he lays so much out for us in clear daylight so that we can know how to live and flourish? so that our souls can be healthy. The next one is this, the Psalms that we've been reading about, about hungry, tired, thirsty souls. This is one that it's, I just can't escape. It's in a lot of the Psalms. It says that when our soul is downcast, that we reflect on God's works. Reflect on God's works. Psalm 77, 1 through 2 says, I cry to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In my day of trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. In the same one, you go further down to verse 10. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to read it. Don't worry. But just check this out. He says, I will appeal to my downcast soul. I will appeal to it. And he says, to the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. And then he just lists the deeds of the Lord. When your soul is downcast, consider the good works of, of God. Consider the good works of God. You know, um, I told you that I was feeling like a little bit downcast this Sunday. Sunday was a pick a pick me up. I'm feeling a little bit down. I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself. My friend Nick, he's on sabbatical. I'm like, uh, whatever. I'm like, kind of down. I read this verse, verse chapter from Psalm 77. It said, consider the works of the Lord. Your soul is downcast. Consider the works of the Lord. And I was at church, and um, I just saw, like, I'll just say it. I was like, do I say his name? I saw Jaden worshiping God front row, and I'm just thinking of, like, where Jaden was a few years ago. Like, he said he didn't know the Lord, and now he knows the Lord. Now he's a part of our community. Like, and Jordan, his little bro, is just a part of what's going on here. And I'm like, I can't ignore the deeds of the Lord. The Lord is on the move. He's changing people's hearts. He's, get, he's helping them flourish, right? And so if your soul is downcast, remember the deeds of the Lord, that he has been at work in the past. Just like uh, Austin said, he's the same God of Moses, the same God of Mary. For us, remember the deeds of the Lord. Delight in his law and get connected to the source. Get as close to the source as possible and your soul will be satisfied. Amen.